Hey everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Latara. Greetings, let's see these ends. Are we going to do Edge of Tomorrow? Or as the uh, every like, sort of place on the internet now has it listed as, is live, die, repeat, colon, Edge of Tomorrow. Or even worse <laughs> than that, my Blu-ray of this, right? Live, die, repeat, which is annoying enough that they tried to change the title. But what really upsets me about that front cover, not just the fact that they've got the, the, the age logos in the middle instead of the bottom, like they usually do, is that at the bottom, yeah. they have cruise, then forward slash, blunt, forward slash, edge of tomorrow. Look, that's two actor surnames and then the actual name of the movie. Why is it give slashes in it? I, I, all, all of the promotional part of this movie is just the worst it's just garbage yes i i don't even understand and because you sent me the original trailer and i'd forgotten the original trailer until the music kicked in and then it brought back all these memories because you know i, I go to the movies yeah. often enough that i remember getting the trailer a lot and like as soon Doesn't as that the trailer looks bad like it looks like it's a bad movie yeah but as soon as that robotic kind of voice in the song kicks in i was like, oh i do remember this trailer i remember this playing like every time i went for like three months no like that it was the opposite for me like the the movie when it was when I first saw the trailer, it was maybe a couple weeks before the movie was released. And I went to the movies a lot, like ever at this time, I went to the movies probably twice a week. And I had seen the poster walking into the theater and I'm going, what's that? And then the trailer came on. I'm like, oh, oh, it's coming out in like three weeks. <laughs> yeah. It was almost like the studio didn't want it to be advertised, probably <sighs> because they hated on the name that they settled on <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just a weird one so obviously it's a sci-fi the trailer is like also it it's kind of promoting it as a love story it doesn't look too dissimilar from if you're just looking at it from the trailer and trying to figure out what the plot is it doesn't seem too dissimilar to oblivion which was a tom cruise movie that came out only a year before and did not do very well um, I was I was getting more overly the serious gritty war thing from the trailer, but uh, regardless, oh, uh, I got a lot of like love story vibes from it that I did not care for, especially after you watch the trailer after watching the movie. <laughs> anyway, if I could actually intro the show properly, now, uh, this is a sci-fi movie podcast. <laughs> hey, I tried, I tried like five sentences ago, and you steamrolled over me. Well, you brought up this huge point before. The show. This is not on me. <laughs> yes, but I tried to divert back, and then you, you were like, no, 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 no. We're going to go deep with this one first. And then, okay, sci fi movie podcast. I have things to say. We're talking about sci fi. Tower's got things to say. She's going to say things later in the show. Look forward to it. Highlight yeah. your week. <laughs> <laughs> we will start spoiler free as we always do. We're, as as we were saying, we're here to talk about Edge of Tomorrow or Live Die Repeat or the book that it's based on, All You Need Is Kill, which I do actually like that title. I think that title is better than the two movie titles. You know, I think if they stuck with Live, Die, Repeat from the beginning, I would have been okay with it. I think All You Need Is Kill sounds intriguing because it doesn't... Like, it's like, oh, that's weird. What does that mean? It doesn't... Yeah, but Live, Die, Repeat actually sets up what the movie is. Like, it's it's a pretty decent title. Unfortunately, well, yeah, they it... used it as a tagline. You don't you don't have to have a title that, you know, like, Silence of the Lambs doesn't sell what Silence of the Lambs is. Like, it's just, but it no, has but meaning. when you watch the movie, like, it does come up. Yeah. Well, that, that, uh, Edge all... of Tomorrow, like, okay, yeah. We're not arguing Edge of Tomorrow, though. We're arguing All You Need Is Kill. And All You Need Is Kill does make sense once you start watching the movie because they start killing to reset. Like, it actually becomes a, a factor. It makes sense. 
don't know. It, it seems too... <sighs> I don't know. Not every movie it, has to be snakes on a plane, where you clearly know from the title what it is. <laughs> What's that movie about? I think it's got snakes on a plane. Maybe there are spies on Air Force One, or... <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, Edge of Tomorrow means basically nothing, and it's really generic sounding, right? But well, No, it sounds, like, especially with the, the trailer, like, Edge of Tomorrow sounds like a Nicholas Sparks novel or something that had been... Or whatever those like romantic movies. Yeah, I mean, it means nothing. It's it sounds generic. It, like, because because sometimes I, th- I stop and think about this, and I think about like, okay, classic movies that are well regarded, right? Surely some of them have titles that don't really really mean much, but we just know them as that movie, so we don't really think about it, right? And I started trying to think of examples in my head, and I'm like, no, every single one I can think of, I can kind of justify it and say, no, it's kind of it relates to this, or it means that, or at the very mm-hmm. least, it has a thematic link to what the movie's doing. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, like doesn't really mean it i mean live die repeat i'll give you is better in the sense that it actually describes the movie at least but i don't necessarily like a title just to describe the movie i like something a bit more uh showy you know okay i guess but we can all we're all in agreement that edge of tomorrow is terrible yeah it's it's not a good title yeah it's not a good title Um, and the other reason i don't like live die repeat as the alternative title now like even if it was released with that title mm-hmm. originally, it's just because the sequel is tentatively called Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat or something. And <laughs> that's just the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they don't stick with that name. <laughs> if they're going to stick with the sequel just being based off that title, it should just be called Repeat, Repeat, Repeat or something like that. Just, uh, just go fill into it. Just call it, it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, you, you've already stuck to it. You know, just... <laughs> Just go with the original title. It's a shame the day after tomorrow's already been taken because that may be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Because <laughs> we're after tomorrow. So, that's the, so the reason why we're doing this actually is because this movie is actually set in 2020. So, uh, yes, Tara pointed that out and then it was like, okay, well, I guess I guess we have to do it this year. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't think there's like an actual day. <laughs> I think it's just vague 2020 because it starts mm. off in 2015 but then it's like five years later yeah yeah it starts off with the news reports of like how the aliens landed and what's been going on in the last five years Uh, i completely forgot brendan gleason was in this so he just popped up on the tv screen at the start i was like brendan gleason's in this what really (laughs) yeah all of a sudden there's this irish uh like major no he's not major he's a general so intimidating he's general yeah tom cruise is a a major but he's a major kind of in name only as we kind of find out uh so the premise of edge tomorrow just in case you are here and this is a spoiler free section so i'll give you a sort of brief sort of premise of the movie uh think groundhog day think happy death day which is obviously the one that came after this uh, is a plot about tom cruise reliving the same day over and over again every time he dies in this it's kind of like uh a d-day and but more like the last kind of harab where the aliens that have landed on earth have taken over almost all of europe they're at the edge of france they're trying to come to england and the uk so the front is like the edge of france and they're going to launch and tom cruise is a bit of a coward and he is kind of you know basically forced into actually going on the front line with everyone and he's not prepared for that he's never been trained for combat uh, but he does get, in, I'll just say, infected with something that means that every time he dies, the day resets. He goes back to when he wakes up, and it goes from there. It's a Groundhog Day style movie in that sense. So I'll just leave it there. Emily Blunt's, of course, the other big main character. Uh, she also plays another uh, soldier in the movie. They've got, all, they all have these sort of gunner suits, these big sort of not not mech suits, but a kind of exosuits. That's what they're called. Yeah, exosuits. they're like an exoskeleton. They're not, they're not quite starship troopers, but they're clearly inspired by 
They're bulkier than Starship Troopers. I mean, the helmet looks Starship Troopers-y, but the actual suit felt... Uh, the, I mean, this was this was before this, but the actual suit is way closer to something like the thing that uh, Matt Damon gets in Elysium. Yeah, than, I think Elysium too. Yeah. They don't uh, like thinking about that movie. I'm, well, I mean, this is based on, like, a manga, and I think these types of suits are really common in Japanese fiction. Like, uh, you know, their animes and their mangas and all that no, I, I take your word for it <laughs> and i don't mean to sound dismissive there but i'm not a big anime guy so i just you know they all like their their mechs and their exosuits and their the gundams yes. and their from the two video games i attempted to play yes <laughs> hey just be just be happy i bet the haircuts in the original uh comic uh, manga I, I bet they were a lot more like final fantasy looking with all the sharp edges there's and, a lot of spikes yeah yeah, and Tom. I bet Tom Cruise. I, I almost imagine that Tom Cruise is the sort of crazy bastard who wanted to have the weird haircut, and the studio went, "No, like you're Tom Cruise, <laughs> we and, draw we, the line. <laughs> and we let you away with a lot because you're Tom Cruise." But no, <laughs> you're not doing yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> apparently he had a lot of say in this movie. And mm-hmm. the only thing that's really anime to me is just Emily Blunt's sword. Yeah, her She's sword's got this ridiculous. Giant, like Final Fantasy looking sword. Yeah, that stupid Buster sword. I hate the damn thing. Um. But yeah, she's she's referred to. She's got kind of a sort of like a like a the best call name of all time. Well, it's not her call name. It's, it's more it's more her like her mystique. Like she because she because basically she's this war hero who did really well in this like first early big battle. So the so well, she's the angel of Verdun. Yes, but she became known to the people as the Full Metal Bitch. We see that like, spray painted because she's because she's used as like the campaign, like the recruitment campaign kind of advertising like posters, and people are like spray painting Full Metal Bitch on the poster. Uh, I would it, do anything for that nickname. <laughs> it's a it's a great nickname. It's great. It's and so she, good. She, and she doesn't like it. She actually punches someone at one point for going to call her, and I'm like, why would you not be happy about this? This is a great nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, once we learn her backstory, I think it makes sense. Sure. I don't know. I feel like Phil Metal Bitch. Like, that sounds cool enough to outstrip any reason why you might not like it. Angel of Redone is also a really good one. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we got Bill Paxton in there. Uh, the late, great Bill Paxton. Uh, he's like this uh, drill sergeant uh, on the base the day before they deploy who is very mean to Tom Cruise, I'll just say. <laughs> um and so we have him uh, we actually have this is a random one you won't get but there's an actor from uh, Legends of Tomorrow in here uh, who I didn't know was in this movie uh, this was before that show happened but uh, Jackson's in here he's in, He's one of the, the troops that happened to be there uh, other than that there's actually what's funny is that when I was looking I put this into my letterbox earlier and there's two actors in this that were in Paddington 2 obviously Brendan Gleeson is one of them right Brendan Gleeson yeah. yeah but the other one the the guy who the sort of engineer dude who Emily Blunt worked with before that she goes to take oh, yeah, Cruise yeah. to he was in Paddington 2 as well and I'm like oh yeah there's two Paddington yeah. 2 actors in this I was wondering what, I couldn't place them but he has such a unique face yeah was he in was he in Predestination oh I don't know do you want me to have a quick quick check I mean, Maybe it's just because he's kind of got that uh, um, that that speech thing, like the guy in Predestination does. It wasn't Predestination. He was the uh, the guy who was like giving the the, the jobs out in this business suit. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, hey. yeah, sure. Here, yeah, right. No, he was there. Well, that's probably the last thing I saw him. Unless I watched Paddington Two before then, or yeah. after then. Oh, he was in Lara Croft Tomb Raider in two thousand one. Highlight of his career, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh but yeah so 
So yeah, so there's an interesting cast. Interesting cast. Obviously, you get Chris and Emily Blunt at the, the center of it. So that's the gist of the movie. I mean, it's pretty obvious uh, if you've seen like any of her countdowns uh, for the last decade. Certainly for one of us, anyway. Um, <laughs> but I'll ask Tara the question because that is the format of the show. Tara, how do you feel about Edge of Repeat? <laughs> I I think this movie's exceptional. It's so good. <laughs> Every time I watch it, it climbs a little bit higher. If I made my my best of list after watching it like recently, it would have been much higher, I think. <laughs> I love this movie. It's so fun. It's such a formula that works. Mean, there wasn't much higher to go. It was in your top 10. It was in my top 10 for... The decade. For the decade, was it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like... I thought it was like number fifteen. No, it's not, I'm, edit, I'm editing it right now. It's, it's in the top ten, and the only reason okay. why I'm comfortable saying that right now is that I'm going to make sure that that top ten video, which should go up tomorrow, should goes goes up before this. So I, I don't mind spoiling that, but it's in your top okay. ten. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it wasn't higher. Maybe it was too low on my science fiction movie list then of the decade. I'm sure it was. Oh no, wait. I think you're right. I'd have to watch this one in dread again. <laughs> no, in fact, it was number 14. No, you're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> it must have been your top right. 10 in your sci-fi of the decade. It definitely list. was. Yeah. That yeah. Must be I think it was like number off. five or something in my sci-fi. But, um, yeah. Oh, it, well, if I made the, the top 10 of the de- decade after today, I probably would have had it much higher. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure this movie's flawless. <laughs> I like it a lot. I With the exception a, of the title. <laughs> I think it's a great movie. I'm not going to go as far as Flawless, and I certainly don't hold it in the same pedestal as you do. But I do like it a lot. I think it's a really solid, oh, fun it. movie. And uh, it does a lot of really smart things. There's a couple of generic things that does, you know, feel a little bit, you know, okay, whatever. T- taking the the obvious easy way out there, but. Uh, it does so much thing, so many things right, and so many like fun stuff. And I think it's got more of a sense of humor than the trailers would ever have given you uh, an idea of, for sure. Yeah, uh, and it's a war movie. That's like, it is a war movie, and it's it's also PG thirteen, which is odd when you think about all the death that you get to see in the movie. But really, they don't. Everything happens. It's edited so quick, or it's all implied of what's happening to him, and it's not. There's not really any gore. No, With the exception of maybe one scene. The first that death maybe has a little gore, kind of, but after that... Kind of, but there's no real blood in it. No, it, it just cuts away. Do, it just, so. Yeah, it just cuts away whenever he dies, so it's not like you see that much. Um, it... I think uh, the movie's got a really good arc. Uh, the arc, in, I mean, the arc in these movies, it kind of always ends up being the same. Essentially, uh, this Groundhog Day and Happy Death Day all essentially boil down to the main character is kind of an asshole. By the end of the movie, because they've lived through all these days and whatever they learn over the course of repeating that day, ends up being a better person by the end. Now it's a bit more specific here because it's about how much of a coward he is and how much he sort of you know gains his courage and finds a like, purpose to fight and isn't just a complete sniveling little shithead. Like that that is kind of what his arc is yeah. in this movie. And that's done very well. There's a couple of really key uh, moments especially that I love that I can't get to till spoilers, but there's some really great moments with that stuff. It's it's so fun to watch Tom Cruise be bad at something in a movie too you know (laughs) at least in the beginning because normally he's always like the best or maybe i'm just used to watching movies where he's the best but like it's it's fun to see him be like just so out of his element and terrible at something and he's really really funny in this oh yes yeah 
because some of the deaths are played for laughs like some of the deaths are played yeah. for like because uh, this is the thing it's very you don't have any gore i think is one of the points i was trying to get to but it's, it's very it's very video gamey and not just because they've got all these suits on and they're shooting the aliens but even just in the sense where they because one of the plot one of the key sort of plot devices in the movie is the idea that you know in between the, the versions of the day that we're seeing he's been repeating over and over again so there's points where he's in the battle scenes and he's just he's memorized where all the aliens pop out so he can just yeah. keep blasting them and it's not <laughs> actually skill this is the, this is the great thing one of the things I love about this movie is that he gets really good at doing that because he's memorized where they're going to pop out. But that's actually before he learns to fight for real. Because then he tries yes. to actually train for real and he's shit at it because he doesn't. He, because then he's in like a random training program yeah. with these big uh, cloth things that he used to like mimic the alien movement and he's shit at it. He can't do it. He's getting hit all over the place. But I love it because I think there are certain video games where you can either be good at it or you're just good at memorizing exactly where everything's going to happen so you can right react accordingly uh so i, I got up that vibe in the in the movie i was going to make that point but you already made it so oh well there you <laughs> go uh so no that stuff's good um direction's pretty solid it's it's one of those things where the director here doug lehman he did the first born movie and he did another one or two Swingers. things interestingly uh one of the writers on this was christopher mcquarrie who's been doing the last few uh mission impossible so uh it's uh it's a <laughs> one of uh cruise's uh confidants i suppose uh yeah we'll call him doug Lyman does a lot of work with crews too right like he doesn't did. he do he did jack reacher he did do swingers uh that was not macquarie i think i just one that was macquarie oh maybe that's macquarie yeah yeah maybe uh, just mixing the cruise directors yeah Oh yeah, I'm just yeah, you're right. It's live, die, repeat, and repeat is the uh, <laughs> the working title right now. <laughs> Wash, uh, condition, yeah. repeat. Yeah, I mean, he did, he did Jumper, which like looked kind of rough. Uh, I I saw parts of that movie, but I didn't watch the whole thing. It wasn't really for me. Yeah, I, I feel guess like it is sci-fi, huh? Doug, oh, Doug Lehman is a. <laughs> Doug Lehman's a very workman director, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to be excited for a movie because he's attached to it. I feel like he, as a director, like can make a good movie, but he's not a name I get right, excited right. about. I, I'm i not a big Born Identity fan. Well, um, I, I think the second two Born movies are way better than the first one. I, I think they, they got better with a new director. Yeah, I thought it was... It was. I mean, I saw it much later, and I think I already like had decided I'm more of a Mission Impossible person. <laughs> <laughs> Go Ethan Hunt over Matt Damon as an action star. Like, I think I just couldn't handle that for a little while, and uh, I just didn't go. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, it just it it wouldn't click in my head. Like, Matt Damon is supposed to be a doofus when I watch him on on screen. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to the spoilers? I think I think this might be my favorite Tom Cruise movie. Bold. And performance. Okay, okay. I don't know what my favorite Tom Cruise movie is. It maybe Ghost Protocol. Yeah, yeah. Those are good and they are fun. But I just think he's he rocks it in this movie. He's so good. I uh He's not oh, like no. Wait, unlikable on. in the beginning. Hold on, no, 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 no. I forgot. Collateral is my favorite Tom Cruise movie. No, even a question. Apologies for that mistake. I mean, yeah, Collateral is really good. Is that Man? Is that Michael Mann? That's Michael Mann. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is really good. And he also does not play to type in that movie, which is another reason why I think it's so intriguing. But uh, in fact, that's I why I, I think he I think he kills it in this movie. I think he's he's just from beginning to end. He's never not likable, but you still enjoy watching him die. I think that's why <laughs> I, I I think I like the performance in Collateral is because he's he's really good as a villain. I'd say I don't know if it's my next favorite of his movies, but I think his next best performance is probably Eyes Wide Shut. I actually haven't seen that one. That's uh, Kubrick. Hard thing for me to admit. Yeah, yeah I know. Kubrick, man. Um, <laughs> I rented it actually. It's on. It's ready to go for me to watch, <laughs> but yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Um, Jerry Maguire is up there for me too. I love Jerry Maguire. I ain't seen that, so I can't uh, <laughs> can't yeah. comment. But yeah, no, I mean he's uh, he's he's the way he's good in this. He's, he's he's Tom Cruise. Like Tom Cruise is such a dependable actor. I feel like sometimes he he does suffer from just playing type. Because he's just playing Tom Cruise. Uh, he but- doesn't always, you know, yeah, he doesn't always nail it. I mean, he always gives it his all. Like, but, like, the mummy, he was so miscast. <laughs> yeah, he really was. Then again, that was not even the, 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 like, that was not even the top five of the problems of that movie. But, yeah, no. it's true. But, well, actually, it might have been one of the top problems of the film because it was really distracting. The, the, the first problem with that movie is that. It was a really bad remake of American Wolf in London. Number two. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was always my number one complaint, actually. Yeah, is that it tried to be a horror movie version of the nineteen ninety nine Mummy, which just doesn't work. You either have to be the fun globetrotting adventure Indiana Jones movie, or you're the horror movie. You can't be both. Um, I do like that that he and Emily Blunt like there is a love story there, but Emily Blunt's like because of the events that she goes through, like there's. It's it's just the, like such an unusual love story, and it's it's not. She's more like Furiosa, you know. She's not like a like damsel in distress who just falls for Tom Cruise because he's Tom Cruise. Like I I really like their relationship. It's it's almost like a like a I don't know how else to put it, but like a work wife relationship, work husband work wife, you know, just because of proximity and but there's always a side that's. That's platonic, and it's it's an unusual love story, and it but it it works really well for me in the film. Uh, I'm actually disagree here. This is one of my things that I don't like that much. I mean, not all of it. There's parts of it that I do like. There's a the, the, there's a moment, you know, in the third act that I could really I would have happily cut out. I didn't need it. <laughs> it, it you know, it's I, I rolled my there's eyes in the theater. There's one joke that I don't like. I rolled my eyes in the played th- for laughs. I rolled my eyes in the theater work. when it happened. I rolled my eyes again watching it this time. Um, I I like wh- this is the thing. I, I I wish it was completely one sided because I completely get why he kind of has feelings for her because one of the big things that happens in the movie is that because he's spending time with her every day and then he keeps seeing her die, he's kind mm-hmm. of like grown attached to her and it's kind of it's hard for him to bear as time goes on and seeing her die. It makes sense to me why he's growing something for her. Maybe not necessarily romantic love, but something. It makes sense why he feels passionate in some way, why mm-hmm. he feels intense in some way towards her. Um, she should not feel almost anything. She should be no-selling everything because she's not remembering any of this shit. And if I have a complaint exactly. about the movie, outside of one other sort of thing I wanted to uh, sort of... T- pick apart a little bit towards the ending uh, but i have to wait to spoilers for that obviously but if i have one complaint is that there's a few too many times in this movie where i feel like 
technically she doesn't remember things from the previous days because she can't right it's only him that's resetting but i feel like the movie's having its cake and eating it too because her reactions sometimes play as if she does and it kind of like it takes me out of it for a second where i'm like you're trying to cheat here Mm -hmm. because even though she can't remember it you're working under the assumption that because the audience knows it we are taking her reaction to mean a certain thing and it it feels like it's cheating a little bit and it bugs me it feels like it's just slightly betraying its rule i i understand and i i i totally thought that the first time i watched it as well but watching it again like that doesn't that goes away for me. All right. Well, since the Tara's cats decided to stop terrorizing us, we will move out of spoilers uh, f- for for the movie. I will take this time though to thank our Patreon producers uh, for the month. So thank you to David Shaw, Alison M. Forday, Cindy Palacios, Tyler Hess, and Talking Superman. They are all patrons at the $20 or above tier. But Tara, they don't have to be patrons at the $20 tier, do they? I just had something nope. off the desk. You can do the, do the Patreon bit while I look for this. Sure. If you like our content and you want to support it, you can check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV and donating as little as $1 per month will get you bonus episodes of The Ace. We have a back catalog, so check it out. Thank you. That was no nonsense. <laughs> I'm the full metal bitch. <laughs> I'm trying to earn it. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, movie starts. Uh, like we said with like, the, the news reports and all that explaining the, the invasion and yada 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 and always there... good to see wolf blitzer mm, yeah and there was like a full like or, there's the idea that there was one battle that went well the one that you know the full metal bitch <laughs> i should probably i should probably get her actual yeah. character name yeah um rita yeah there you go so tom cage was them cage I th- cage is not even ringing a bell i, I, th- I think i ever noticed What's anyone last name private cage okay you're your deserter (laughs) (laughs) okay that sounds familiar um so he wakes up he's in a helicopter on the way to the i don't know uh somewhere in london (laughs) to speak to brendan gleason who is the general and so we get the gist because we see like during the news footage bits that tom cruise is like the 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 marketing spokesperson to make the war sound like it's going well to the public to recruit people yeah he's a pr guy so he's on TV, he's talking about, oh, we built these super suits and everyone's going out and using those and everyone's doing well and everyone should sign up and go and defend the planet and so on and so on. And he comes in, he was all smug, uh, he's all smiley, he's, he's doing the nice man Tom Cruise routine and Brennan is like, okay, so we've got this idea, you've got to document it, you know, uh, from the ground, on the beach. He's like, wait, what? What was that? On the beach with the with the actual fighting? Oh, like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, and one of my favorite moments here actually is when Cruz says like, "Hey, I I do what I do so to avoid doing that," and he sort of laughs yeah. afterwards. Like, like Brendan Gleeson will think that's funny and laugh along with him, and Brendan Gleeson just like stone faced is like, "I think I think he's trying to talk like officer to officer." Yeah, you know, like you know, we do this so that we don't have to be the enlisted. That's what they're for. Yeah, I get the you impression <laughs> that uh, Brendan Gleeson's character you know, rose up through the ranks from yeah. the ground up and does not appreciate that attitude. He's definitely seen some front lines before. Yeah. Uh, he's earned his position, one might say. Uh, yeah. And Tom Cruise tries to slimily get his way out of it and when he tries to leave and sort of, you know, play the, the rank card, and at one point he's even like, wait, I'm the American military. You can't boss me around. <laughs> and he's like, nope, I've spoken to you, superior officer. <laughs> yeah, I'm in charge of you now. Uh, yeah. And he, he tries to blackmail him. He says, look, if you send me out there and we fail, it's all going to be on you. 
and I'll have footage and I'll ter- tell everyone it's your fault. And I'm the PR guy. So, you know, who are they going to believe? And he goes, okay, you won't be filming on the front tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, you'll just be out there fighting on the front tomorrow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's a very effective scene because the whole point of the scene is to set up just how much of a, you know, slimy weasel Tom Cruise is at the start of this yeah. movie. You know, how, how Cage is just, he'll do earth to get out of actually fighting. That's not what he is. He's never been that, you know, he was a, he was a marketing guy who sort of got enlisted because he's marketing from good. Yeah, but, I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, the first time I watched this, that part of his marketing deal was to promote the mech suits, mm. which is so funny for, you know, the scene that we get following where he actually goes out on the beach and he has no idea how they work. <laughs> yeah, take the safety <laughs> he off. was marketing that as like, it's super easy. You just step in and you become a superhero basically. But yeah, like <laughs> it just sets it up so well. Yeah, so he wakes up again, this time on like the, the, the barracks, right, where they're all uh, camped out. And he gets up, and he's, he's handcuffed, and Bill Paxton, uh, Master Sergeant Farrell, comes over, and he's, he's, he's leaning into his accent when he does this as well. Uh, and, you know, it goes all... And again, Tom Cruise tries to be Weasley, tries to kind of like, oh, there's been a misunderstanding here, and this and that, and uh like so we, we this is one of these things where all these movies have this uh like this groundhog day and happy death day they all have the here's the sequence of events when the person wakes up because we're going to repeat this and show you how it's different each time or show how he kind of recognizes yeah. each moment i actually think out of the three these three examples this is the one that does it the least because after the first couple of times of him waking up it always just skips it after that point and you never really get to see oh, yeah, it again definitely. so uh whereas like happy death day i'm sure you see that like that that walk out of the dorm room you see that probably like 30 times in that movie it's something ridiculous like that and i'm not complaining i love that movie that movie does yeah different and, things but well and, and groundhog day which is a straight-up comedy like mm. always starts like that but it always always plays for a, a laugh every single time oh, of course yeah whereas this sort of bounces between like obviously the first couple of times are very serious and then it starts to bring the laughs in a little bit with some of the yeah. you know what what because i think once we get comfortable with the idea that he can't you know he'll keep coming back that he's not going to die permanently it's not you know after, yeah it kind of neuters the whole idea of yeah. death so it's it's easy like it is a video game although he still experiences the pain <laughs> yes uh, so so now you get to laugh at it because if they try to keep it serious if they try to sit, sort of sell that it was still horrific even though he's still feeling the pain in the context mm-hmm. of a movie, after a couple of times where he resets, like it, the death loses the weight to us, so it makes sense to yeah. play it for last because then we get to enjoy it in a different way that makes Mo- sense. Most of the deaths are pretty quick, like they're yeah. usually gunshots or something. Well, like yeah, but if, it, and we see him wake up instantly. But if you look at the first time he wakes up, it plays it as this hor- horrifying, like I just died moment. Yeah, he wakes up screaming. Right, but like <laughs> if you look at it later, it's much treated much quicker, and it's played for almost a laugh you know when, when later on when emily blunt's just shooting him to kill him during the training yeah. montage like it's played more like he's like he starts being scared when he's waking up and he's angry he's pissed off because he just got shot in the face like yeah so it evolves uh sort of naturally throughout because it wouldn't work if they try to sell it as horrifying every time we as an audience would reject it after the second or third yeah. time it would be boring it wouldn't work we wouldn't feel the effect of it because no like that deaths mean nothing in this movie so it treats deaths as a mechanical plot device instead yeah. of an actual death anymore and, and we really have no sense to how many times he's repeated these scenarios because it seems like i mean 
it's probably like close to a thousand times or something like who knows like it has to be a lot because these are very complicated you know um, battlefields that he's going through and he is totally incompetent in the beginning yeah, one of the things that it does really smartly, actually, is at various points, uh, once he's working with uh, Rita, is that mm-hmm. there'll be moments where, like, you know, one of my favorite little sort of jokes here is because at this point it's already pulled the little trick where we realize that it's actually been a few more times than we've seen. Because I think it's, like, the fourth one where, like, you know, like because the, cause the first couple of times, of course, he ends up on the beach. The, the third one's kind of funny because that's the one where they tape, put tape over his mouth because he, he won't shut up about this crazy idea of looping time, right? They just think he's crazy because he tries to prove it to them that he, he knows things and they just get sick yeah. of him and tape his mouth shut. And when he's on the battlefield, you know, he kind of he sees Rita and he tries to talk to her. And I think it's like the third or fourth time where you realize that this isn't the third or fourth time. There's been at least yeah. a handful in between the last one and this one. Yeah, because, he's shooting things yeah. like without even looking at them. Because yeah. it's, it's when he goes to talk to her and he's just kind of like going uh, left behind me, you know, like he's just you know firing yeah. at things. <laughs> and so he's clearly tried to talk to her multiple times, um, and it's and she eventually. But this is the great thing is that what informs so well of how you sort of find out that she went through this at one point, right? Because that's one of the big reveals of the movie is that he's the second person this has happened to. This happened to her before. Is What's great about it is he's trying to explain it to her and he's still been a weasel. It's worth mentioning his plan at this point is to recruit her to rescue him <laughs> because yeah. she's the badass. <laughs> that is his plan right now. And she, because she sees him just predict where everything's coming, you see it in her eyes. Like Emily Blunt lets you know that she's recognizing what this is. And she says, yeah. when you wake up next time, come find me and that kind of leads us into sort of that, that's kind of the end of act one i suppose in a lot of ways because that really sets up where we're going with the story and right. you know the, the, that that partnership uh because what i was going to get at is that one of my favorite little things is that so at this point it's already playing with the idea that sometimes we're skipping um and there's a little sort of joke montage after this where as he's trying to get because he's, he's technically in handcuffs so he's, he's imprisoned into being part of the 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 trip yeah, right he's been he's been told that he's or everybody like when he walks in and meets people like mm. they're told that he is some kind of a traitor yeah like he keeps saying that he's an officer and everyone calls him private like that, he's been demoted for being a traitor that said he does uh smooth talk his way enough this time to not be handcuffed at least so he's just he's on the squad he's training with them he's, he's running with them and he tries to make this little great escape moment to, to go see because he has to sneak off basically to go see rita and i think this is my favorite death this is a funny death this is really good he tries to time this sort of because he's, he's at the end everyone gets push-ups because of him and he tries to time this role as two trucks are going by uh, so he can roll through underneath the truck and come out the other side. But he misjudges the timing and he just gets killed by the wheel. And it's one of these moments where this is one of the few times where it doesn't immediately cut to him waking up. It actually yes. cuts to Bill Paxton reacting where he's like, what was that stupid son of a bitch? Like, <laughs> Do you think that's because he doesn't, like maybe it's a slower death? Or yeah. is there a possibility that all of these are realities that exist. <laughs> what you're saying is that every single day is repeated is now a new timeline and they all exist now. They all yes, play out. Yes, they're just, they're like a thousand different realities where Tom Cruise kills himself. I think that's really <laughs> depressing, so I'm going to say no, it's more that he just took an extra couple of seconds to die. Okay. Oh yeah, I like yeah. that too. Yeah, because it's not like a, a gunshot to the head. A truck's not designed to kill a person by running them over. It, it will kill them, but it's not like a an efficient way of killing someone. <laughs> <laughs> it is a really funny death i think it's also because of the sound that he makes when he gets run over it's like this high pitch sort yeah. of surprise ah! <laughs> <That> was... 
<laughs> nah, it's really good. Uh, that, yeah. that, I, even before, before I rewatched it uh, today, because I, I hadn't seen this in theaters. I saw it once in theaters. I bought the Blu-ray because I liked it enough. Uh, you know, when it was in a deal, so maybe a year later. And this is the first time I've watched it since. Uh, so this was, this was fun revisiting. Uh, I love Bill Paxton in this movie too. I love his line where where Tom Cruise asks him if he's American. He goes, no, sir, I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah uh, so he 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 goes to meet blunt and he has to do the whole thing where he she's tr- she's like doing this weird like tai chi stuff in the middle of like the training field where all the big yoga. yeah where all the big metal like spinning like arms are and he comes in and basically you know says hey it's happened to me what happened to you like you told me to come see you when i woke up blah blah so but one of the things i was getting to i was trying to make this point for the last like, five minutes but I, I wanted to build up to it is that when it's when she takes him to see this engineer dude right who obviously she confided in when she was going through this and convinced him that this was real and he sort of does the science behind it and tries to figure out what's mm-hmm. going on uh when he comes in to meet him for the first time he like puts his hand behind his back and says how many fingers am i holding up and i love that this confirms this is the first time this has happened this part because i don't have no idea i've not done this part yet (laughs) like i like that because it kind of like clearly establishes which part in the timeline for him this is right i I think we see that a lot like we see the first time well usually we see the first time he attempts to go a little bit further and he makes it a little bit further but then we the the parts that we get repeated are the parts where he dies I just, I actually, I'm going to disagree a little bit. I, I feel like after the first little bit of the movie, I feel like more often than not, we're actually seeing like further than what we actually like or where he's done. Because you know, when they go to the farmhouse, it's kind of revealed that he's already done this multiple times. Because right, he, but that is a reveal. Yeah, but it happens multiple times in the movie. It happens when he speaks to uh, Rita in the battlefield. It happens uh, a couple of times in between as well. Like it's 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 kind of a running thing almost that there's because because when they're actually trying to go to the field it's not just that we find out that we're at the farmhouse before we find out that like he, he they've tried to make this escape multiple times he knows that the helicopter's going to do this he knows uh where all the things are hiding in the field and uh even before they get into the truck and everything every part of the trip yeah, I, I just thought that was more of a like a surprise like reveal thing because we've been seeing him as he progresses like gets a little bit further each time so like when he when he gets to Rita the first time and she says, come find me when you wake up, mm. when he gets to her and she's doing the yoga pose and when she gets to the scientist, that's all like, okay, this is the first time I've made it this far. And then, I don't know. I, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm misremembering. No, no, and then no. when he gets to the farmhouse, it's like, oh, he's actually done this a lot. No, no, I mean, you're, you're, what you're saying is what he's doing, but, I, like, there's multiple times throughout the movie where it's definitely not the first time he's done the thing. Like, uh, even the time where he goes under the truck, I'm not convinced that's the first time. Like, I almost think there might be a time in between where he gets that idea because you see the truck right, go by. You're right, because he seems to, be, like, he counts down before he does the roll yeah. because seemingly like he's done it before. So he's clearly at least, I mean, maybe he didn't try rolling the last time, but maybe he saw the trucks go by, so he intentionally got them to get push-ups here so he could try it right so (laughs) so i I think there's a lot of like times where it's implied there was a time or two in between to sort of explain how he got this far kind of thing right uh and but and that's not a critique it's it's actually smart right it's using the 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 premise as a good plot device to really sell i like how vague it is to how many times he's repeated i think it has to be i think absolutely and because it is so video gamey it's all believable that he is just memorizing everything and that's why he's so good at it, I mean, it could be forty times. It could be four thousand times. Like it's really vague. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, and he he he, because basically when he sees the, the the engineer dude, and they're like, okay, we got this plan, and then he starts asking if he's seen visions because basically the alphas right so the, the regular aliens don't have this ability but there's the alphas uh, the elites if, whatever you want to call them who have the blue uh, blood or glow blue or whatever and they have mm-hmm. this ability where when they die the day reverses and that's why they always win because they have this ability uh they have a device that lets them have this ability and he's supposed right. to get visions eventually of this device and where it is so they can go destroy it and potentially sort of turn tide of the war um and that's the plan and basically so he's going to work on this and he has to keep coming back to them every day and sort of quickly remind them because I think we see it the next day when he comes back and he has to quickly sort of catch up to speak like, okay look you told me to come find you blah 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 you, you did this before uh, and it's one of those things later on yeah. as well when he's in the truck two fingers yeah when he's, <laughs> when he's in the truck with her later um like he starts like saying oh you told me this about your 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 like your first crush or your brother or whoever, whoever it was and she's like oh, i didn't tell you that i bet i was lying but it's one of these things where he's starting to use information she's told him to try and convince that hey we've grown closer than what you're treating me right now but she doesn't remember any yeah. of it and i like that stuff i like that she's not having it like she's telling him no and it, i i was thinking about this before because we sort of brought it up but mm. i don't know i don't know if it got cut out or not because it got a little spoilery <laughs> but but i like that she she has her own version of of rita in her timeline like she explains that there was somebody that she had to watch die like 300 times and she got close to him because of that and like and she knows that because tom cruise is doing this with her i should keep saying tom cruise because cage is doing this with her like that's going to happen to him and she keeps putting the wall up like every time like nope you're not going to happen like and even though this is like the one thing that they can like relate to you know like there's no no one else in the universe has had the same experience except for these two people yeah no um that stuff i like i just i wish it didn't go to a kiss <laughs> just i wish it didn't. that was improvised by emily blunt uh Oh, yeah. I bet John Krasinski loved hearing that out. Oh, I was imp- improv on the set. She just felt like kissing Tom Cruise. <laughs> she, yeah, apparently she <laughs> thought that this is something that her character would do, and it was a surprise to everybody. And but they they kept it. And you know, I I really like it. Like the I more I think the... about it, the more I like it because, like, who wouldn't be seduced by like the perfect day? You know, like if everything was going just. I mean, it is also like a. Not a goodbye kiss, but like a death kiss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean no, she, she thinks they're both about to die. So, I mean, there is that. But I wish it didn't happen, though. And it's not necessarily because it doesn't make some amount of sense. Like, I get what you're saying. I get why like, the emotions are high. They're both about to die. And, you know, it's not even necessarily a romantic kiss. You could almost argue it away. So, well, we're going to die, so I might as well kiss you kind of thing, right? It's just, it's, I hate the moment. But I don't care because it's it just it feels like a cliche. Like, the moment mm. feels forced to me and it feels like a movie. It feels right to me. And, I don't know. I, I really do like it um i kind of hate the kiss and like the other thing that i don't like about the third act of the movie uh we're kind of skipping ahead here but it's your fault so we'll just go with it uh, <laughs> is okay. I, I wish i wish they i wish they gave a bit more time to the squad they, they kind of recruit in the third act to go with them to help with this mission because i felt like that's the one sort of misstep that I think would really improve. I mean, I like the, the, the there's a lot of stuff at the end I like, and I'll get to that uh, when we get there naturally. But the squad, like, I felt like all, and it's not a lot. I feel like all we need is like earlier on in the movie when he's maybe in that first kind of like you know batch of repeats, right? 
is set up the idea that there's maybe one of them who's a bit nicer to him, set up that the one who's angry with him is maybe a bit more of a bully and a bit more of a dick to him, uh, maybe have him confront him and maybe once more, so that's like a rule of three and it's the third time, because eventually the guy who's angry at him comes up saying, hey, you got us all those push-ups today, and he kind of convinces him that he knows stuff, and that leads to them recruiting everyone, right? I just, I wish mm-hmm. that was like the third time as opposed to just the second time, because it felt like, see if, see if it really felt like he was turning this dickhead around and it felt like there was someone else who kind of trusted him and there was, or not even trust him, just someone who was nicer to him. There's enough that I felt like I knew who this like small crew of like five people were because as, as it is in the movie, they're kind of just red shirts. I, I mean, maybe they all seem kind of like, a, like a little tropey. They remind me a lot of like the aliens crew members, but maybe a bit more campy. I'm, you know? I'm okay with tropey. I'm not saying make them... I, like, I'll take this, this time to give them deep arcs or something like that. I just mean make them memorable enough that I know which one's dying as they're dying. <laughs> like, oh, but they all have like they all have a shtick. Like there's the tanky guy who doesn't wear clothes. There's the Aussie guy who's angry. There's like the chick. <laughs> with a thick accent. She's got a very thick like Southern American accent. Yeah, yeah. There's that. Uh, you know, it's the the important ones anyway the ones that we really know there's the one that doesn't really talk except for when he sees angel for done and uh, there's like the younger one um yeah you're doing such a great job no that's my point though you're struggling because they're not that memorable well i mean the, the point of their characters is that they're they're the boots on the grounds they're the infantry they're the guys who like make up their own uniform because they've done this so many so times what? Or what? so so what this is irrelevant well, yeah okay so the, <laughs> let me finish okay 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 <laughs> give me time here okay okay i'm when not Tom here Cruise okay. first gets gets there and he's shown like he's super intimidated by all these people even though he was the one he's the pr guy he's the one who could talk into anything and sell anything but he can't like get these people to respect him at all you know mm-hmm. he's he's the one like he walks in on the first day of school and is just bullied and um kicked around stuffed in the locker and eventually killed and nobody cares like n- nobody gives you know two craps about it anyway but by the time like the third act starts and he has to go to these people like he has now become so he he's so salty and weathered from and experienced from all, all the you know the cheat code that he has <laughs> in order to be able to live all these extra lives to do it that he naturally becomes a leader of these people you know he he walks in and he he they they don't just like do what he says he they respect him like they know he's a leader they know that he's he gets in the mech suit and he owns it he knows how to do everything <laughs> and i i like that turnaround from these characters and yeah they all sacrifice themselves or whatever for for his cause and they sure they jump on it kind of immediately but but they all know that tomorrow is a suicide mission for them anyway so what does it matter if it's a suicide mission on the beach or a suicide mission for something else that will actually make a difference in the war no i agree with everything you said there that is the the, the that, is, that is tom cruise's character arc. that is the whole point of the movie is that he kind of becomes that's, a person that's the reason why they're should... all there and no, they no, all yeah, have that's the reason why the, that's the reason why they're there but it would be more effective if i actually remembered who any of them were if i actually remembered who they were so see when they actually decided to stick up for him and go with him on this mission that it felt like a bigger deal because i actually could remember any of their names or 
more than two of their faces. I don't think you need to know their names. I just think you need to know what their shtick was. Like, there's other movies of this type where the main character has to inspire the people around them. Uh, this is a weird comparison, but the Sandlot, right? That has definitely got a main character, and the rest are kind of there. And they get more time than these characters, and I don't think these characters need a ton more time. I'm not saying I want subplots with every single of the, the squad team, but just enough to... Remit, like that's why I'm saying like make the asshole a bit more assholeish towards them a little a couple more times give us one who's a bit more sympathetic towards Cage so that it means something when all of them agree to help him it would just have more impact it would have more impact to me ultimately I don't care like I don't care when they die at the end because I barely know them and I don't care that they're back at the end when everything gets reset because I barely know them like I get them and this is why it's frustrating to me because I know what it's going for here in terms of the feeling what it wants me to feel by being like yeah all those people all those people who are you have small roles but are memorable get I mean to I know what you're live. talking about because I've seen that in other movies before like I think the first Avenger has that one the first Avenger the Captain America the first Avenger not the first Avengers movie or, or like with with that ragtag team that he has together or even the wonder woman movie which is kind of the same movie as the first avenger but it's they also kind of have that crew together and they feel like the same that type of characters to me but these i think do get a little bit more without it dragging down the film you've done this to me again every time i have some critique you fight me on it so much that it sounds like i'm ragging because on the I whole love movie this film. I'm and not, I think this movie's perfect. I'm not allowed I'm, to critique I'm it. I'm to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> My job is to defend it to its core. <laughs> but I'm not... I'm, the movie's still really good. I'm saying there's one thing... Well, there's two things. I take out the, the stupid kiss. Well, but... I'm just saying why those things... <laughs> I, like, they don't bother me. <laughs> and I don't I don't think they are an issue, but... <laughs> That's an issue for me. I, I think the third act would be way better. Because I think the third act, for the most part, is the weakest part of the movie. Um, they actually sort of fly into the Louvre to, to go find the thing when they find out that's where it is because obviously we find out that the actual luring them in with the visions was actually a trap they were just using mm-hmm. the visions to sort of lure them in so they could kill them and get their, their goo back essentially uh, but the, the actual flight into the, the Louvre at the end it's just kind of a generic action sequence and that's kind of my biggest problem because it's, it's a generic action sequence some generic like red shirts die and then uh the generic like because the one moment that really conflicts me and even this time watching it even knowing that it was coming is the moment where okay tom cruise has his big heroic moment where he unpins all the grenades and he throws it into the orb thing that's creating the, the day thingamajig and it's I worth it and it's, it. and it's worth mentioning <laughs> that at this point in the movie the, the, the day resetting thing for him has been is, is turned off he's not got it anymore so there's some stakes yeah. at the end because he could actually die for real so he's actually kind of being brave accepting all these suicidal missions at the end because he's actually he's grown into that character right and we'll, we've skipped over some of the arc and we'll talk about those scenes in the middle but the, the moment that makes me roll my eyes a little bit even now even though i like what comes after it and i would hate to lose what comes after it is the moment where after he's as as the things like getting destroyed the goo kind of like sort of envelops tom cruise because i remember watching it the first time and rolling man's going oh and everything's going to be fine because like he's not actually sacrificed everything's fine now because the magic goo is going to fix everything because it's, it's enveloped him and even though i love what comes after because maybe even my favorite scene of this entire movie because i think it, it uses its premise to tell the story in a way that I've never seen done is that mm-hmm. instead of what happens, you know, throughout the whole movie, because the the aliens have just been defeated now because their their time warpy devices went to shit and now they can't fight, so they're just dropping dead and they're losing. Um, like 
we have a scene where Tom Cruise walks back onto the camp in which he was, you know, he woke up in handcuffs. We see him do that multiple times where he was he was yelled at by multiple people. He was treated like a traitor and arguably deservedly so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he walks onto that base with his held head high, with his hat on, his full uniform on. And the people that he walks past as he's going to see uh, Rita stand and salute him and give him the respect. And what's so b- beautiful about this scene is that they don't know that he's re- he was really a coward and then he overcame that and then earned the respect. We know that. We know he earns the, this, these salutes yeah. that he's getting. We know he's earned them. He doesn't them. get any credit for, for stopping the war. But at the same time, he's getting respect he's actually earned now, even though no one knows that he actually spent that mm-hmm. time earning it. And it's, it's, a, it's a really satisfying scene because it uses the movie's premise to give us a unique setup for this and a unique payoff that you could only get with this premise, with this time-repeating mm-hmm. premise. So I love that scene. But even though I knew that was coming and that can only come because of it, I still roll my eyes this time when it's just, oh, the magic goo is just bringing them in. And like, so if I have a problem with this movie, it's essentially, um, I love the theory of them inspiring the crew around them to become a little team to go on this suicidal mission. I just wish I cared about them more. Uh, But from that to when he actually wakes up, uh, when the final reset happens, to go further back than he has before. And my theory on that, by the way, is that uh, the reason why he goes back further what <laughs> was that oh i was gonna say because it kind of sets up a sequel <laughs> oh no 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 uh what i was gonna say is that my theory on why he goes back further than he has done because every time he's reset he's woken up in the uh the camp right he woke yeah. up at that point this he, one he wakes up before he even goes to yeah he wakes up in the helicopter the camp. yeah my theory in that is that that's when the machine was turned on the, the orb yes yeah yeah and that's why, because he goes back to when it was first turned on, and that's why he goes back further. Uh, so that's cool. Um, so as a Except last... there is no mother orb thing anymore. So yeah. everything just yeah. Yeah. So it, they win. <laughs> I love that stuff. I, I I will I will, you know I will give this movie as much praise as I can for the stuff that I think it does well and is inventive with. Yeah. And how and it, I love the Robocop ending. Cut to credit. And how it uses its premise. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, because the end of the movie is he walks back in and Rita, like that she did the first time, says, what are you looking at? Or, you know, what's something on my face? You grunt. Yeah. And he, he just kind of smiles because she's her again. Uh, yeah. And ends, he cuts to black. No, ending's, ending's fine. Like, see see if he... I don't know. It's like... I, I almost I was almost worried I think the first time I watched this because the, the, the solution to get here was so like so generic and cheesy that I was worried that when he walked in that she's going to be like, oh, because you destroyed the orb, I remember too. Or something like that, and they were going to like oh, yeah, have yeah. some heartfelt no, they don't thing. Do they stick to the rules. No, no I agree. No, I, I appreciate that. I really do. Um, mm-hmm. So, as much as I'm calling it out in some generic Hollywoody things that I don't like, don't make mistake that for me not liking this movie because I think it does a lot of really smart stuff with its premise and a lot of stuff that I think uh, doesn't feel like it's just taking the easy Hollywood way out, which I do think mm-hmm. some of the other stuff is, which is why I'm going to criticize it for not building up a few of those minor characters to be a little bit more. Uh, valuable, I guess, by the time we get to that third act. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they are a bit cartoony, but and and maybe if they were a bit more grounded, they would have more impact. But for their it's sacrifice... Like you it's like you don't I... even listen to them. They don't even need to be grounded. Cartoony is fine. They just need to be more memorable. They just need to be more memorable. Okay. That's all I'm saying. 
I, I really just didn't have that issue at all. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't get emotional when they sacrifice themselves, but maybe it's because I've seen them sacrifice themselves so many times before. There is, I, I do feel the tension in that final act because I know that they can't reset anymore. That, uh, you know, I, I, I feel the tension for them. I, when I went and saw the movie, like I legitimately thought that they're probably not going to make it out of this film, you know, until you're, you're such an easy movie watcher. People, people, Hollywood writers I, love I, you. That's why I enjoy movies so much. <laughs> they're just rubbing <laughs> their face. Oh, she's going to buy into everything. We're going to set up in this script. She didn't really see the you twist coming. There was a chance that they weren't going to make it out. But they were going to sacrifice themselves. Um, I can't remember what I felt. I, I remember mean, you, you watch Emily Blood die like for the final time. We, you know? Yeah, we do, we do. Uh, it was um, I, I guess not. I, I think Joe, you know what it was. I think uh, uh, this is not me trying to sound smart because I think I'm smart or whatever. But I well, think we all think you're smart. Uh, me. It's okay. <laughs> but I, I think in the back of my head the whole time because of how these movies work with these types of premise because we had him wake up in that helicopter at the start of the movie and they hadn't used that yet i basically i knew they had like their weird back door to like to have everything go back like I, I don't know like it felt like they they shot that scene the way they did at the start of the movie mm. for a reason <laughs> okay <laughs> this is not about them setting up plot this is about like the technique they used and the way they they shot him waking up it felt like that was very memorable because it was going to be seen again later and i i always i think the first time i saw it i kind of was expecting them to eventually go back i didn't necessarily know it was going to be the ending it, it turned out to yeah. be the ending but play a little sunny and chair because if I, I i think the first time he get killed so when he gets killed the first time and the goo like drops on his face i think the first time i saw it i was expecting him to wake up in the helicopter because that's where the movie started but he didn't he woke up not on the, the not being kicked by some other sergeant guy <laughs> Yeah. On your feet, private. Uh, I maggot was the, the what he called them repeatedly, maggot. if I recall. Um, so I, I think because I was expecting him to wake up in the helicopter the first time and then he didn't, I think that was in the back of my head the whole time that they have this extra wake up moment. So, and that that's that's me being a bit I don't know, like thinking like a like someone who who like thinks about how movies are made as opposed to thinking about the plot that's been presented to me if that makes sense like i'm kind of like thinking about oh they've said that's there so they can use it like i'm uh, like rather than just what they've presented me with but it must be so horrible to watch movies oh my god for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, such torture what would you like to talk about that time um do you want to talk about the farmhouse scene we talk about the farmhouse scene, yeah. Uh, that because that, that that's kind of when they're trying to make their way to the location. Because there's a, there's a big sort of uh, point here for Cruz where or for Cage, sorry. Uh, after she gets killed again, because this is the moment where she, as she's dying, she has like a last word where she because in the in the way they're in the car, he was trying to get her to tell tell him his middle name, and as she's dying, she says, "Oh, what the hell? Like here's my middle name," and it's kind of a sweet moment. And he makes this choice after this to not go and see her the next day and just do mm -hmm. it on his own so he tries to go on his own and that's when he finds out it was a trap and that's why afterwards he goes well, back to well, her first he and goes him. and he gets he gets drunk in a bar he says you know what i'm not gonna fight today he just escapes goes quite to right, a bar right, and then yeah. gets drunk but listens to a bunch of old guys talk about how they would fight the war or whatever yeah and they call <laughs> and him then, uh, they, call, they call him a coward sees, like all the squib things like come up the river and 
take sure, sure but, but more importantly though they call him a coward which i think even though he's been called that earlier on in the movie like multiple times i think it hurts him here more because he's actually went through a lot of shit at this point and he's like hey at this point like how dare you so yeah. i think this is the moment where he decides he's really going to try and see it through and this is a big turning point for his character well i, I think it's also that on top of the fact that he's been to this barn many times before in every scenario emily blunt dies i think the reason he goes off on his own is because he he's at a you know he's at a a, a natural block like he can't get past this this part without her dying so you know that's why he goes to to drink after that just to add on to that though um i I don't think it's just that he's at a block i think it's actually the pain of watching her die like he needs a drink basically he needs to he needs to he's a break well, from he it. also like you know this is the moment where they share like he's he's just trying to get her to stay like just stay here why don't we just do the scenario where you live yeah, yeah no, we and see, you we, don't follow me anymore yeah we see and she she knows she has that realization like let me finish <laughs> i'm trying to agree with you <laughs> make fun of me <laughs> because i talk over you but it's because you're trying to interrupt me all the time you go for like minutes <laughs> on your point let me have a few seconds <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Please continue. Thank you. <laughs> they have they, this is the mo- one of those scenarios where she's she knows what he's going through. She knows that he's in love with her because he's watched her die so many times because she's also experienced that with somebody else before. That's why she puts up a wall and says, you know, I I'm not going to stay here. Like there's no reason why she shouldn't just say, okay, fine i'll live and you try to make it on your own we'll just try this scenario out but it's because she doesn't want it like she doesn't want him to to see her this way and she gets frustrated or upset about it and just takes off anyway even though she knows she's not going to make it and she's you know the helicopter crashes just like tom cruise predicted she's dying and she says my middle name is rose because it's also one of those moments where she's like i know you're in love with me here's the thing that I can tell you. And it's not just because she's dying there, because that doesn't matter to her, because she knows whatever it's going to reset. She gives him something, you know, something to hold on to. Oh, you're done. Sorry. Okay. You may, you may speak. <laughs> well, what I was going to add then uh, is that, yes, we, we get the sense that this is starting to bother him before this death, because we see that he's desperately trying to not go through with the plan he's trying to stall uh, and he kind of slips up when he kind of like knows what she takes in her coffee because she's you know she's mm-hmm. she's thinking this is the first time that they've gotten to the barn and they can't find these keys for the helicopter but he has found the keys um so we get the hints that he is starting to really bother him that he just doesn't want to see her die anymore and i really appreciated mm-hmm. that which is why I, i'm saying that when he goes to the bar is it's i think it's not just so much that there's a block it's 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 just about this is really starting to weigh on him that he's seeing this person die every single day. It's it's like too much for him to take. So yeah. even though there is a kind of like a, a hardship, there's like a hurdle here that he's having trouble getting over, um, and he does get the motivation to go back out and kind of like do it himself, which is what he does next. But uh, I I do think it's kind of the weight of this just like this impossible like like seeing this person die over and over again. So but obviously once he realizes it was a trap and he just narrowly escapes. Which, by the way, he dies this way when he fights the monsters on his own and well I say fights, he sort of runs and tries to get away. Because the monsters don't want him to die. Because they know if he dies that'll they reset. know that they'll yeah. just reset. Yeah. So he actually has to duck and he sort of like it's a kind of kind of I don't know if it's intentional per se. He just sort of ducks down this little crack, but he kind of like unintentionally gets them to drown him. So he actually dies via drowning, which is probably the one of the, maybe the worst death he's had because yeah, drowning's brutal. Yeah, not not I mean not the air death is pleasant but a lot of them are a lot more instant than this um and because i guess they're trying to get him to bleed out 
because they cut him and he starts bleeding. And I, I guess if he bleeds out all of the goo <laughs> that's in him, then maybe that's enough to stop the time without him dying. Or if he dies, like, but enough of the goo is out. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. Because they uh, do cut him and watch him bleed, but they don't kill him. Yeah, that was kind of... Uh, maybe that was just them double-checking that he had it in him or something like that. I don't know. Mm, uh, maybe. But yeah. he drowns. And it's actually... I don't know where it is about in the movie where he actually tr- takes his training seriously. Because one of the shots that kind of annoyed me a little bit is when Emily Blunt kind of walks in and sees him training and he's actually really good now. He's like, you know, he's, he's obviously clearly been doing this day after day for a while because he's, he's motivated mm-hmm. now. Uh, this may be before they go to the farmhouse or maybe after. I can't remember exactly which part this, this takes place at. But this was one of the moments where the look in her face felt like a cheat to me because it was like, hmm. I mean, you can read it as, okay, she's just sort of seen how determined he is and she's kind of picking up that, okay, he's been, he's been doing this for a lot of days. Like, he's been doing this for a long time. He looks so determined. Like, this was like day 200 for me. <laughs> so I can kind of recognize that. You can argue that. I feel yeah. like the, the scene kind of plays weird for me because it feels like it almost wants you to realize, like her to know like how much of a change he's made. But she can't know how much of a change he's made because to her, the version she met this day is the version that we're seeing right now. You know, like mm-hmm. he's, he's, that's, that's all he's been to her. Maybe she's just impressed by him. <laughs> hey, you know what you're doing. Uh, did you enjoy the? <laughs> I think mon- you're ready for the real thing. Did you enjoy the montage at the start of the training where, when he gets like beat up by the robots and he's kind of like paralyzed or gets his leg broken? Yeah. Like, there's any excuse? She's like, well, there's no point in continuing. We'll just reset. And she just takes out a gun and shoots him. And there's yeah. the, the one that made me laugh is when he's like crawling. And he's like, no, what? No, my leg's fine. Like, I can still feel it. I can still feel it. Don't. No. And then she just shoots him. Yeah, right he away. clearly hates dying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah because that's the thing when he's when he's doing the whole coffee thing in the farmhouse he's like whoa, whoa, whoa what, what, you know that, that's not reset why don't we take just five minutes to enjoy a cup of coffee before we kill ourselves <laughs> yeah. maybe just just take a rest before we reset i like her confusion like okay <laughs> <laughs> take a break yeah she's not, not understanding that I, I yeah that stuff's pretty funny a lot of the humor does help give it a bit of life it's not just this you know because it, it could be a very easily kind of grim movie where it's just kind of oppressive because it's just death after death i think giving it some levity was a smart move mm-hmm. and getting tom cruise to start in i think is a smart move sure sure he's just so likable i mean unless you watch the going clear scientology documentary <laughs> Yeah, real life Tom like, Cruise. Oh, he might be a monster. Yeah, maybe less so. Uh, I mean, Katie Holmes is just in the boy too. I mean, she's never recovered from that marriage. No. <laughs> Personally, Nicole Kidman in Big Little Lies season two, I'm pretty sure was channeling some things. <laughs> 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 there was something else I really liked for. Um... Oh, and Emily Blunt's character, or like one of the things she says. I I don't know if she says it like before or after the kiss, but she says like. I wish I would have gotten to know you better or something, which is kind of a funny line for her to say, like right at the end of the film, mm. just because, you know, obviously he knows her so well. And we, we, we kind of, as an audience, see them have this whole relationship that crosses so many probably years that, so, for her that to, for, for that to be her like final line to him, I thought was, was a pretty, I don't know. I thought it was a well-written line. <laughs> I think it's it's Joe. Joe that makes me kind of want almost. It almost makes me want to completely change the movie and have her be the main character, right? And I'm not saying Maybe that's ha- a sequel. Is that a sequel? Maybe that's a sequel. Oh, no, Maybe no, 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 no. Metal bitch no. Let me no. Let me explain. I want him to still be the one who's repeating, but I want her <laughs> to be the main character. Can we just see the 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 perfect day follow through completely. 
no, 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 no. We still, no, we still have to repeat the day, but like, like we follow it from her perspective because I think if see if you want to sell me on like this this drama that's going through her head of like because she's remembered going through this that that's why she understands and maybe relates in certain ways and maybe maybe takes some leaps in her like logic mm-hmm. that otherwise you wouldn't be able to take. Like I feel like having her kind of recognize these small moments like because in my head as you were talking making that last point i was thinking oh maybe you could make this like an even better movie by like giving her an equal share of the screen time like have have some of it be from her perspective instead of just all tom cruise right and then i thought what if you made it the what, what if you did a movie where the day was resetting but you didn't know why right and you know you see this crazy tom cruise sort of come in and like talk to her a couple of times and it's not until he actually says to her you know you told me to come find you and then she explains what he's going through you go oh you know you can almost like a mystery at first like why is the day reset and why are we seeing these different versions of the day and have it all come from her perspective i like this movie idea i'm not saying that this will be better than this but i don't know if it would be better but i think it would be equally (laughs) a valid avenue to take this premise sure i mean we've had this this repeating film premise now for a little while so maybe uh, maybe to spice things up after this genre gets played out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I just, I'm thinking about there's so much drama to take from her. Uh, Do you want it to be like a memento style? or something where <laughs> no i'm not saying go back you're constantly like okay how did we get here I, if i follow the record <laughs> what I'm just not, happened i'm not trying this isn't me trying to like fix it like the movie's great I, i'm just sort of like theorizing about this because like i think there's a couple of moments from her that feel like a safe force because it feels like the the, the audience that they're playing up on the fact that the audience knows what's going on here and that we remember everything so it plays kind of weird to us i think or uh, they're going for something but it's really that for her Really, all I'm saying is maybe giving her a little bit more of her own screen time might have helped that and let us get into her head a little bit and really kind of like flesh that out. But it just made me think about this opposite side of the movie. Maybe this could be a fun way of like, you know, like, I mean, we couldn't do this as a sequel because it would just be like stuff we all know anyway. But like, I was just, it got me thinking. I was just, you know, spitballing. All right. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think the sequel is going to be? Uh, well, that has to be. A, a I mean, di- he gets more of the goo on him, so it could just be another repeat. Like maybe he lives his whole life, and then dies, and then has a chance to relive his whole life again from that moment. <laughs> I mean, how far does it get? Does it go? Like, can he keep going? Hmm, yeah, I mean, yeah, because there's no war, so it's not like he's getting killed every day. So you wouldn't know that he's repeating until. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Happy Death Day did this thing where it ended up being the same day again, which was really funny when you realized, oh, wait, this is the it's the same day as the first the movie. Sequel, so oh, well, well, that was the premise. It, well, it wasn't the only part of the premise. There was more to it than that. Uh, but it was like, no, it's still the same day. Like all, all those times she woke up in the first movie, when she sort of starts doing it again in the second one, it's not a new day she's repeating. She's repeating that same day again, and she's livid about it. Like, she is pissed. Uh, like so you could go that route where he's back to this day somehow for some reason and but obviously make it you know to do something funky with it um that would be the hardest thing to do with no paxton though you'd have to recast paxton's role if you were doing that well, yeah i heard he was supposed to be in it mm. you know he was always because they started the sequel or started talking about the sequel right away after the film uh, and I, I wonder yeah, fortunately he passed i wonder like Maybe they don't do it exactly repeating. Maybe maybe the second one's just straight up time travel. Like maybe they t- travel back in time to this day. 
So the day repeating is happening, but they're kind of like <laughs> experienced it as third parties. Like that could be some route to take. Uh, obviously, the most obvious thing is just the aliens come back. Uh, he starts repeating a day again for whatever reason. Uh, and it's just a new solution or a new problem day to solve uh, in a new war. But I do wonder if they try to play with the timeline a little bit and either have them go back to that same day, either because he repeats that same day again or because they're back in time and sort of there as third parties during that same day. Well, if he dies, wouldn't he just go back to when he killed the Omega thing? Because that's when he gets the goo. Assuming, he, assuming he still has the repeating thing in him and it doesn't happen again. Okay. Maybe he gets a blood transfusion. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they try to militarize the blood transfusion that he gets. They um, hold on to it, start cloning it, and then all of a sudden, what happens if more than one person can repeat the same day? Oh, actually, here's a good idea. What if the villains are aliens? Thank you. What, what? No, I said, here's a good I was going to say, well, my, my, my next idea that I'm about to tell you is good. Uh, although you inspired it, so take some points. Uh, <laughs> no, what if the villains. What if the villains in the second movie aren't aliens? What if this this uh, goo has has been uh, like you know has been someone's found a way to make it right? And there's like an evil organization who are repeating days, and they call in Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt because they've got experience with it to take some of their own goo so they can like fight repeating days with repeating days. So the villains are also repeating, but it's other humans. Mm. What if it's the doctor from this movie? who says, okay, we don't need, you don't want to have that goo in you anymore because everything's fine, we're at peace. And he takes the goo out of him, but he holds on to it and he clones it and he gets more and more goo. <laughs> I and, think... then, and then it's not until like Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise are like happily ever after whatever, where they start to see things on the news that seems like it would only be possible if somebody was resetting the day. So they know something's going on uh, let me go back to the doctor i hope i hope it's the happily ever after i hope they're platonic i really do but i do no, that, that's okay I, I think the key thing here between the idea i just said and the idea you just said is that i think one of the key things to make it feel different in the sequel no matter what they're doing is that whether it's just him or both of them that are going to repeat days i think they have to make the choice to do it rather than it happen by accident i think it has to be whether it's because they're asked to by the government because there's bad guys doing this or aliens doing this or whether or not because they notice things are wrong and they make a way of getting to it themselves whatever it may be i think the idea of them being proactive and making the choice to go into the loop uh, is more interesting because it means they're saying hey we've done this before we have experience we can mm. use this to our advantage and play with it because we've already done it before and that would make that would give the premise enough of a difference to the first movie to make it feel fresh immediately because the characters are proactively making the choice to do it and then we can go from you know whatever the day might be from there whether it's the same as day as this one or and the fact that they wanted paxton back and they wanted presumably the rest of the cast back Maybe it lends credence to the fact that it could be the same day, or maybe it's just that, no, he gets them all back again later because he needs a team, and they all... Well, they wouldn't remember trusting him, so that wouldn't even make sense. But, no, but, yeah. I mean, we know that he's a PR guy, and he knows how to talk to people, and he certainly knows enough about them <clears throat> to True. probably convince them to do stuff, so... Well, there you go. That's some theories. Theorizing, I was trying to say, uh, for the for the sequel, uh, which I don't know if we've got, like, a time frame for that yet. Uh uh, let's see if I ended well, this was 2014 so I mean I guess it's been in the works for a little while uh, 2022 is what IMDB's got it up oh well, yeah when the first one was later than I thought 
Well, yeah, when the first one was, is irrelevant now because it's, it's got nothing to do with how long it's been since the first one. It's just like when they started doing it because it wasn't like something they put in production straight away. They, they, I mean, Warner Brothers, I'm, I'm not even sure how they got convinced. I mean, I guess Tom Cruise showed up and said, hey, I'll do your other thing that you want me to do if you <laughs> if you make me a sequel to Edge of Tomorrow. Maybe. I mean, I, I think this movie was a hit over, overseas, like international. Was it? I don't know. It had to have been, right? Because I think it made like half a billion dollars. I don't think it did that much. Hold on, let me check. Did it make like 500 million? Oh. Tenero. I, I, this is what happens when I'm dodging a bottle of water as I'm typing. Uh, Edge F tomorrow. Edge F tomorrow. That's why I just typed. God damn it. Right, there we go. <laughs> I have typed the, the title. And I'm on Box Office Mojo. Um, it made 370 million worldwide, which is right at that amount where it's like, Oh, that's not a bomb, but it's also not a guaranteed sequel either. It's for you know for a movie of the size with like because this mm. movie had like a uh, hundred seventy eight million dollar budget uh, currently box office module. So three hundred seventy million. That's kind of similar to the first Pacific Rim, which was equally like okay, it didn't do terribly, but like it only got a sequel because some people really willed it into existence and because mm. it did pretty decently in China. Uh, I think this is kind of looks like the same kind of thing where it didn't do that great. Like it did okay for a movie of its size. Um, so it's surprising that sequel's happening, which is why I assume that Tom Cruise, you know, basically, you know, threw his weight around a little bit because maybe he wants to make a sequel. He wants to do another one. Uh, that that would be my guess. Yeah, uh, probably. Maybe he took a pay cut. Maybe he's like, hey, you can just pay me $10 million for this one. <laughs> well, I think we're done. I think we're done uh, with Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, it's a really good movie. I think it's, it's, it's a summer kind of blockbuster sci-fi action movie. It's got a strong character arc, which I think is the best thing it's got going for it, is how good that arc is. It's got likable characters in the main two. It's got, um, you know, it's just got some fun ways that it plays with its premise. Uh, I do think there's a couple of generic sort of like Hollywoody tropes, especially towards the end. Um, and I do wish I cared more about those other characters and Tara's rolling their eyes at me, but those are my complaints, okay? <laughs> Um, I don't think it's perfect. I think it's a really good, solid movie. It deserved to do better than it did. Mm-hmm. But it's not... And hey, we're getting a sequel. And, so yeah, we're getting a sequel. We get more. So we'll see how that shapes up. I mean, and I'm not convinced the sequel will be good because, you know, Doug Lehman's not a surefire success. Like, he's... Like, he... This, this is easily the best movie I think he's made. And we'll see if he can repeat that success. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Repeat the success. How funny I am. You know one thing I do really like about this? Yes. Um, the, the kind of meta thing is that he has to film the same scene over and over again, mm-hmm. and each time he gets a little bit better at filming that scene. <laughs> <laughs> what are you rating Edge of Tomorrow at a 10? It's a 10. I love this movie. I think it's <laughs> I think it's perfect, and I don't care. Like <laughs> maybe Maybe I'll consider the fact that there are some things that doesn't work for everybody or don't work for everybody <laughs> but they all work for me <laughs> every time i watch the movie it, it climbs up my my ladder of favorite films and i think this movie is fun i love that you know the, apart from the aliens like there's really not a lot of cgi maybe some environmental stuff like all the suits they wear are real and you can tell that they're heavy and cumbersome and it really slows people down and i i think the movie is fun I think the movie is tense. I think the movie is a great war movie on top of a great sci-fi movie. Um, and yeah, the, the character arcs and the, the the deeper layers that are in it, I think are great. Um, the the very so subtle love story that's in there that's 
that that is not the central part of the movie, but it is an important part that I still really like in it. Um, I I love this movie. Well, yeah, no, the movie is really good. Uh, I don't think it's perfect, though. I do have some, you know, th- it's not even so much that I have like hard problems with it. It's more just that there's definitely things that I can see improvements, uh, you know, potential improvements in as a, as I'm watching. There's just some things that could just iron it out to make it a, like a truly great movie. Uh, but as it is, it's very, very good. And uh, we actually kind of glossed over a scene, actually, that I thought was really funny. When they go back to Brendan Gleeson to uh, try and convince him to hand over this doohickey that the scientist built. And mm-hmm. they actually think he actually thinks he's somehow convinced them because he's like, oh, he's got, he's, he knows what's in the safe. He, he tells them about what's coming in the radio and what the secretary's going to say and everything else. And they mm-hmm. think they've convinced them because they let them walk out. But as soon as they step out the building, there's like a like a SWAT team of like <laughs> or soldiers or whatever ready for them. Like even in that situation, Brendan Gleeson still wasn't buying it. Uh, fun stuff. Anyway, uh, I'm going with an eight. So eight out of ten. Uh, which is what I gave it at the time and, and watching it again has kind of just confirmed that rating for me. It's a really good movie, if not a little bit great, but does kind of just have a few things that I would improve upon and a few little things that feel a little bit generic to me. But there's a lot of good inventive stuff in there and that's the stuff I appreciate. I love, and I say that's a lot about horror movies where they have a mechanic or a premise that they can then use to extrapolate unique setups and unique scene encounters between characters that you don't get in normal stories because you can't without this in this case this day repeating mechanic you know in something else it may be something different like it follows it might be this idea of like waiting for something to come get you that's a mechanic or whatever like you know i always talk about mechanics in movies to create interesting things and uh that is kind of what this movie has going for it and it uses that for a great character arc it uses that mechanic to tell its story uh, it doesn't you know at least for the most part you know, uh, kind of reduce itself to doing cheap things to tell that story, which is why I like it. That's why that's where the strength of the movie comes from. So, uh, eight out of ten for me. Uh, so it's it's dead consistent because that's what I gave it in twenty fourteen. So what I'm giving it in twenty twenty. So there you go. Okay. Edge of tomorrow is is controversial it? opinion. <laughs> you think my eight is controversial? <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> i feel like you but i will admit that this movie is definitely my kind of film oh sure i feel i feel i think you'll find that even people who really like this movie might find your 10 more controversial than my eight. <laughs> <laughs> 10's a pretty serious score and we all have our favorites my my favorite list of films like is i think it is very different from a lot of people's <laughs> a lot of people will be like really that one <laughs> Yeah, I don't have any problem with you loving this or giving it a 10. All right, that has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment. That has been our discussion of Edge of Tomorrow, a.k.a. Live, Die, Repeat, a.k.a. All You Need Is Kill, a.k.a. Tom Cruise Runs From Things, 14. Uh, so thank you very much uh, for joining us. You can, of course, let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments below. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on the Twitters at Fuzz for channel updates. Uh, you can of course support the show by rating the podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review, it helps us out a lot, more people will find us that way and you can of course support us on Patreon as we mentioned earlier. We also review the classic episodes of The Twilight Zone, we're on to season two now, mm-hmm. which is a big deal because that means we went through like 50 episodes or something <laughs> in season one so <laughs> we've committed so you can check out if you like sci-fi and you like uh, Twilight Zone or want a reason to watch them again you can watch them along with us now everyone at home give up for Tara she's a wonderful co-host and she puts up with my shit so everyone give her props for, for said shit uh, 
and I do have to do that. if I beg enough, maybe she'll come back next week and we can do our next movie, which is the Patreon winner for the month, and that was Fantastic Voyage. So you can find that next time. So next time we're shrinking down to we're becoming Tom Cruise actual size. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to become little tiny little people, and I don't know. I have to think of a way to make a joke out of that. Do you know what? I've got an idea. I've got an idea. Based on my recent Invisible Man uh, antics with Tim on streams, uh, where we started the show with us being invisible, because I thought that'd be funny. Uh, I've got an idea. Uh, so. <laughs> thank you very much for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching science fiction movies guys and computer that's salsa if i got something on my face hey everyone and welcome to the atomic cinema experiment i'm peter and i'm joined by tara <laughs> greetings citizens <laughs>